The NHL playoffs are set, but are they really? Tim Tebow makes his return to the NFL, and Roy McIlroy, for the third time in his career, wins the Wells Fargo on the tour. Is he the favorite in the PGA Championship coming up? You're listening to The Dan and Drew Show. Welcome to the show that's for all things sports and only sports. Each week, Dan and Drew break down sports' biggest moments and best action. Pass is intercepted at the goal line. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. This is the Dan and Drew Show. There it is, a win for the ages. Here are your hosts, Dan and Drew Walker. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Dan and Drew Show. I'm Drew. That is Dan. Hello. Let's kick off the show talking about the Wells Fargo Championship that just took place in our home state. Mm-hmm. Roy McIlroy, for the third time in his career, takes home the honors. Do you think he's back to uh, his old form? Well, uh, let's let's pump the brakes on that because it has been 18 months since his last victory yeah. on the tour. So let's settle down a bit. Look, we have, I have, you and I both have a friend, Danny. He is a huge Rory fan. And this past weekend, he and I were together and watching the last uh, hole with Rory. And I am a big Abraham Answer fan. I've said it on the podcast before. Uh, I was hoping that it would go to a sudden death, but it didn't. Uh, but good for him. First win in 18 months. Uh, and the purse for him, you know, $1.45 million, That's a That's a nice payday for him. Yeah, especially when a lot of the big name, so to speak, players weren't even in this tournament. I want to give Roy credit for a moment because I was thinking about this as I was watching the tournament. I was said, you know, is, is there ever going to be a player that is willing to take a bogey or like take a, a drop or take a, you know, an extra shot or something in order to put themselves in a better position? And I think Roy on that last hole, the 18th hole, he knew he was up by two strokes, you know, ahead of Abraham you were talking about. And he, instead of trying to play that ball that was sort of plugged within the rough, he said, let's just take a drop and put ourselves in a better position where we could possibly hit the green. And he did. And I think that was the smartest thing that he could have done because, yes, he was up by two shots, but that ball could have been in a, put him in a worse position than he did. And, and I really like his caddy saying, Roy, let's take it slow. Let's drop it, give ourselves a better lie. And in, in doing so, it put him in a better position to, you know, win the tournament. So I think Roy... He's, he's starting to get back to form. I think he's got that monkey off his back now. Yeah, that's great for, for Rory. And again, first win in 18 months. But for me, the biggest storyline this past weekend was Bryson DeChambeau. You're he, telling me somebody that didn't win the championship was a bigger story? Yes, it was. And someone that hadn't won in 18 months. He's mm-hmm. a, he's yep. he's won more than right. one championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That, because, right. Yes, because he Bryson had a big old brain fart. And the brain fart ended up working in his favor. I made the unfortunate mistake of uh, making triple on seven, hit a couple balls in the water. I was 90th at the time and thought I'd missed the cut. Let's go home. And so Tim got on a flight, my caddy on a flight, and, and I went on my flight. And my agent texted me, hey, you're in 68th place now. So I said, well, it looks like we're turning around. Got on a flight at 245 and was here at 620. Ate a small little breakfast and got out to the putting green at 710. So to sum all that up, Bryson DeChambeau this past weekend thought he was going to miss the cut. After the second round, he was placed 90th. And so he took a flight back to Texas, a private jet, 
The cut line was at 65, and he happened to sneak in at 64. So he hopped on a plane, 2.45 a.m., back to Charlotte. And the reason why I think this was a big story is because it worked in his favor. He ended up in ninth place, four under par by the end of the weekend, and he had a $228,000 payday and first place in the FedEx Cup standings at this point. So that little blip, that little mistake that Bryson made worked in his favor. And I think that's why I... Look, Rory winning, that's great, 18 months, but a lot of players go through droughts. And the PGA, I mean, my gosh, there's nearly a tour every weekend, but the fact that a player didn't stay through the second round before heading off back home um, and having to turn around. Luckily, he had a private jet to get him back. Honestly, I'd be incredibly mad at myself. I would be super annoyed for someone who doesn't enjoy flying like myself, knowing that I have to double back simply because you go in or you leave with the expectation that you were 90th place, which that for Bryson, that is a huge uh, letdown in itself. And for him to make the cut at 64 and come back, like you said, finish tied for ninth minus four, he needed that because now he's ahead of Justin Thomas for the FedEx cup standings. Like you mentioned. Well, well, speaking of letdown, I mean, lefty Phil Mickelson, dude, I love you fellow lefty here. He finished at minus seven after the first round. And then he ended the tour at a plus seven in 69th place. I mean, he started so hot after the first round and he crashed and burned. Hey, look, he only, he still earned $16,000, 69th place. I mean, I think yep. I'm in the wrong business. I need to find some golf. I mean, yeah. But what point do you retire? What I point know, do you just go? He's 50 years old at this point. Yeah. And he would actually qualify for the senior championship if he decides he wants to go play that route. And I think he should because his level of play is completely dipped and Understandable. When you play as much as golf as Phil Mickelson has, your play is going to diminish. And players nowadays are getting much better, and he is not getting better. He's in obviously getting worse. And I don't know. I think he needs to consider stop playing in the PGA Tour and just uh, go to the uh, Senior Championship, but or instead, or instead going to the Senior Tour uh, to follow that up with a you know fantastic career. Yeah, and and transitioning away from Wells Fargo this past weekend. We've, we have the PGA Championship coming up, and, and Drew, there's a reason why we're speaking on the, this week. That's because next week, we won't be here. Yeah, next week, we will not record. It's going to be, I'm going to be celebrating my three-year anniversary with my wife. We are not going to be in town, so we're not going to have an episode next week. Well, this is going to be the first episode since, I think, June when I started. Yep. We've done it every single week. Mm-hmm. Started out with myself. Even Christmas, even Thanksgiving. Like, have not missed a beat, but I'm taking that time away. My wife works hard. We're going to go celebrate. And so we're going to give our PGA, you know, picks now. Now, who I'm picking. So first, I want to talk about McElroy. So I think the reason why he won the Wells Fargo and that he might possibly win the PGA is he changed his golf coach from Michael Bannon to Pete Cowan now. And I believe that had something to do with it. And, you know, he changed it six weeks ago. And now he's won this past weekend. And I have to ask you, Dan, is he, in your book, the favorite for the PGA Championship in two weeks? I think you could say he's the favorite. Uh, you know, when you win a tour and you have less than a month before the the championship comes around, whether it's the PGA Championship or the U.S. Open or the Masters, uh, he could be a favorite at this point. And that's not who I have winning. I'm... I'm choosing Daniel Berger. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he only has four tour wins. That was my sleeper for the Masters, and he didn't even make the cut. Well, yes. Well, very depressing. <laughs> well, 
we also we wildly missed on our master's picks. So well, like I said, I should have gone with my de- I should have gone with my gut with Hideki, but I didn't. And we also I think we kind of missed on the players as well. But it's it's fun to do. Look, I'm rooting for him. The thing is, Kiowa Island uh, in South Carolina is beautiful, and the ocean course. Uh, it's a par seventy two. It's one of the actually only true links left in the United States. Links course. Uh, with the elements, you have the rocks, the sand, the wind blowing from the ocean. This requires a very skilled player. And I know there are people who want Bryson DeChambeau to win, but I, right now I don't think he's in the right headspace, and he's got to work on his his tee shots on the fairway. I think he's only at 60% at this point. I don't have him, but this is a beautiful course. Pete Dye obviously designed it, so that shows you just how difficult it'll be. Um, but I'm looking forward to watching the PGA Championship. I'm choosing Daniel Berger uh, to win it. And that's not even your sleeper? That's your main pick? Yes, that's who's my your, main pick. Who's your sleeper? For my sleeper pick, if I had to choose one, well, obviously Daniel Berger may seem like a sleeper, but I'll go John Rom. One of those two. I've got them winning this week. Uh, it could be Rory, but again, I think it's a byproduct of him winning this past weekend at Wells Fargo. But who are your who who's your pick and your sleeper pick? So Roy is actually my pick for the PGA Championship this upcoming season. We talked about being in Kiwa Island in South Carolina. It's the ocean course. The thing is, Dan, in 2012, where was the PGA Championship? It was there, and I know you. And who juice. won? I know it Roy McIlroy. Mm-hmm. And see, the thing is, I would pick McIlroy even if he wasn't the the winner in 2012. The reason why, 18 months since he last won. And when Roy McIlroy is playing well, he is one of the most difficult players to beat. That even that goes above Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, mm-hmm. and even maybe kind of Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. When he is on, I, I don't want to bet against him. And since he's won there before, uh, and, and first of all, Kiwa Island is absolutely breathtaking. You know, there aren't many golf courses on the East Coast that are right next to the ocean. That's more of a California thing. But this course is amazing. It's at sea level. Not much elevation, but there are bunkers and rivers all over the place, the dunes that you were talking about. Yeah, the, it's, it's it's a true links course. Yeah. And, and the biggest factor, and you touch upon it, is going to be the wind condition. It's going to be all over the place and coming off that ocean, good luck. So I cannot wait to see how the players play in this course. I'm predicting some low scores, maybe even some of the double digits, but I'm going with Roy for my main pick, but my sleeper pick it's going to be Victor Hovland, and, and he's not much of a sleeper, kind of like what you're saying with John Rahm, mm-hmm. but his ball striking is one of the best in the tour right now, and if if he can control that under these windy conditions and avoid those hazards, I like the odds of his game, and obviously everybody's trying to avoid the hazards, but I like Victor and how he's he's striking the ball right now. He didn't do too poor in the Wells Fargo this, this past weekend, but I like those two and those odds, and... I think Roy, since he's he's just coming off a big win, you know, the kind of like in this lull period before the PGA, I think he'd come out on top again and win it again like he did in 2012. Well, I just hope Victor wears his uh, signature orange, you know, my favorite color. But with uh, McElroy, I think uh, Danny slipped you 10 on, on you just were ranting and raving about him and... And, yeah, and uh, I'm not, he's, he's not even my favorite golfer, but he, you, you can't, favorite golfer. You, well, I'm, you know, I don't want to be biased. So I'm, I'm probably going to leave that hush hush, but, oh. uh, you know, he's, when he's, when he's on, it's hard to bet against him. It's just like any other golfer right now. And the thing is, Dustin Johnson, who knows if he's going to play, 
because he's missing out on the tournament this week because yeah, he, of knee soreness. Yeah, he needs he's rehabilitating is what he said. So is he going to be able to perform next week or in two weeks? But the, but those are our picks. You know, again, we will not be here next week. So I've got Berger. My sleeper is Rom. Drew has McElroy winning, and his sleeper is Hovland. So we will see what happens in two weeks. But if it's anything like the past, we will be wildly wrong. Oh, hopefully they're all top four. That would be great. That would be great. We'd give us some credibility. Yeah. But moving, transition to another outdoor sport. This past weekend, we had the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, it's nice being back to normal somewhat with some fans in the stands. You know, your mint juleps in your hand. But the big story, Medina Spirit won. However, juiced. He was juiced. Apparently, you know, he failed a drug test. The horse failed a drug test after the Kentucky Derby was placed and trainer Bob Bafford, who is one of the greatest trainers in all of horse racing history said that he didn't do anything illegal. Now, the reason why this is a story is because Medina spirit had beta methazone in his system, which is a steroid to help inflammation. Now, before August, it was allowed in a horse's system. Now it is a banned substance in so far that a horse cannot have it in its system the day of racing. So when they do, a testing on the day of racing, which is what they did. The horse cannot have its, that substance in its system. And so now they're having to do another drug test. The reason why this is a story is because he could be disqualified. And the last time we had a disqualification was in 2019 when maximum security was disqualified for interference. If you remember that drew mm-hmm. and with Bob Baffert again, he's had two horses that have achieved triple crowns with justifying American Pharaoh and the reason why I wanted to talk about this story, Andrew, because listen to what Bob's excuse was for the horse having betamethasone in its system. He said that one of the groomers had taken cold medicine and urinated in the stall, and the horse managed to drink the urine and get it in its system. I am not kidding you. Look, that sounds so stupid and so crazy. That you know what I have to, you just have to believe it because that is the dumbest thing well that I've ever heard. Well, Bob's Bob's horses have been busted multiple times. I think in the past uh, past year, five horses have been busted for for substance. In so is system. he really the greatest trainer ever? Uh, that's well, that you have to ask again. He is, is Barry Bonds the greatest the last, of all time? Okay, okay, okay. I'm just saying. Justify and American Pharaoh are the last two horses to get triple crowns, and those were his horses. And he had he's had multiple wins. With Medina Spirit being tested positive at this point, you know, he may not qualify for the Preakness Stakes, which is in Maryland. The second drug test takes weeks and months. I'm not sure what's going to happen because if we don't get a result, again, as it's going to happen is he's going to race. Well, he's, he's going to get that triple crown and then it's just going to be stripped of it. That's true. And I, I feel bad. And then you also have all the people who are betting, all the, all the people who didn't choose Medina spirits to exactly. win. And so, and the people who did mm-hmm. got to keep their bets. They, yeah. They're got not to keep changing, their winnings. Yeah. They're not changing the bets. And that, that, that doesn't make any sense. I think if anything, it should be a wash. Everybody should get their initial bet back because that's not fair. And so the people who bet on Medina spirit didn't understand, didn't know that he was going to be, you know, having a banned substance in him. And the people that didn't pick him are like, Whoa, this horse cheated, even though it's not the horse's fault, it's the trainer or the owner. So, you know, who I hope who wins out of all this is the horse because I love horses and it would be a shame if if people got so offended that they were taking it out on the horse. But like I said, beta metazone was allowed up until August. You can still use it. You just it can't show up on the day of racing. 
and you would think Bob would know that. And to say that one of your groomers peed in a corner and the horse drank it, come on, let's let's chill out here. Yeah. Another thing that happened this past week, actually two two times it happened. No hitters. This is the fourth one this year. Look, we are good luck when it comes to baseball, apparently, Drew. Yeah. Because since we have started talking about sports other than football, we've had four no-hitters mm-hmm. since beginning the Dan and Drew show. Yeah. Joe Musgrove threw a no-hitter back on April 9th, and I said at that time that it seems to happen more than it does, but actually, it does happen all too much. I mean, it, like, the fact that since we talked about Joe Musgrove, there have been three no-hitters since then. Two of them were last week. We had Wade Miley with the Reds and John Means with the Orioles. Of course, Carlos Rondon with the White Sox through the second one. But now we know why pitchers wanted the MLB to change baseballs. It's to make them unhittable because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, the fact that there's four no-hitters and we're not even two full months into the, the season is, it, it, that, that's pretty nutso. But yeah, Drew, elaborate a little bit on the changing of the baseball. Like, is it the weight of the baseball, the texture of the baseball? So, so what the MLB wanted to do, they wanted to. So, if you don't know, baseballs are hand sewn. It's they're sewn by workers of the Rollins factory in Costa Rica. And what the MLB found out was, because they're hand sewn, there's obviously imperfections with the baseball, correct? And they wanted to create more consistency with that. But the biggest mm-hmm. change that they made was they loosened the wool windings within the ball. And I don't know how that does anything with anything, but when you loosen it or tighten things, it actually changes the weight of the ball. Apparently there's a whole bunch of scientists that went in this with the, you know, MLB. And I mean, right now it's working. You got four no hitters and, but it doesn't well, seem like, I mean, hitting is definitely down from last season as far as like the pace of play and how many home runs there were, how many hits, uh, you know, and, I don't like this argument that the MLB wanted to change the baseballs because there's too much offense. There's too much. You, you know how you get fans in the stands and you're a huge advocate of this, Dan? Mm, yes, I am. Is you need to have offense. Yep, you do. So I think what they are wanting to do and, and I'm, what, you know, it, it just, it doesn't add up. I'm going to use the same argument that I use on the offense. We talked about the shift. If you don't want, I know that um, offensive players don't like the shift because again, they're, they can't out. hit. They can't hit oppo. That you need to learn how to hit oppo. Okay, I'm going to use the same argument with defense. If pitchers want to change the ball, how about you pitch better? Change yeah. your strategy of pitching. Mm-hmm. It you can't have one side or the other. It cannot be all strategy on one side and none on the other. You both have to compensate for the change in baseball. Yeah, you know, and you, if you're going to change the baseballs, then let people cork the bats. Let the let mm-hmm. the offensive players cork their bats because. If the pitchers are going to have a quote unquote advantage, Advent, yes. Why can't the offensive players have an advantage? Let them use sticky. I don't know, you know, whatever they want to use. Let them use pine tar. So th- this is, I think, the MLB is just—they're changing all the time. They're changing their tune. Where we need to change the baseballs. We need to allow this. We don't need to allow that. It's just MLB needs to get their act together and be more consistent with one rules of the game, but also equipment and what players can and can't do. But no-hitter, like I said, there's been four this season. If you were throwing a no-hitter, would you want to be talked to? And the reason I want to ask is it's an unwritten rule where a pitcher is, if they're throwing a no-hitter, you don't speak to them in the dugout. Mm. So would you be one, if you're throwing a no-hitter, that you would want to continue to talk to teammates, or would you rather be left alone? Well, on both sides, I wouldn't want anyone to talk to me because I'm in the zone. 
I, if I am a, um, a, a position player, uh, I'm not going to talk to the pitcher. I want them to be in the zone. What they've done up to this point has worked. And if I haven't talked to them up to this point, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm not a person who is superstitious, but I, th- that's a situation where I just not, not do anything to bug the pitcher, let him do his thing. And then afterward, congratulate him. For me, I'm talking to people. I'm going to have fun. I wouldn't change anything that I do on a daily basis. Why? If I pitch every five days or every five outings and I'm normal, joking around, having fun, putting bubble gum on people's hats or whatnot, spitting sunflower seeds, and then my next outing, I'm throwing a no hitter. Why would I change things like that? That's well, just that's, me personally. Well, that's, I, I'm not disputing that, but I'm, I'm saying if no one has talked to me up to this point, I'm not going to talk to anyone. But if you're someone who normally does that, I wouldn't stop doing a, you know, a tradition or the way of playing just because you're doing a no hitter. I think whatever you were doing up to that point, continue to do it, whether you talk to people or not. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm an extrovert. I want to be talked to, I want to talk to people. Some people, they want to be left alone. So I understand that. You want to be in that zone and, and focus in. And there's something that you're obviously seeing well that day. So I would, and, but I'm not going to be a person where if I'm a, an everyday player and the pitcher is throwing the no hitter and he, no one's talking to him, I'm not going to come up and have a conversation with him. Like, hey, Billy Bob, how's your day? Like, mm. I'm just going to leave him alone. But if I'm that pitcher, I want to talk to everyone. Uh, so this past week, Tim Tebow, Former NFL player, former MLB player, MILB player. Uh, well, okay. No, okay. MILB. He was in the minors. He okay. was not good enough well, to go to the majors. Okay, I understand. He ha- is signing a one-year deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars as wait a tight end, a position he's never played before. I feel like we've heard this before. Yeah, where have we heard this? Oh, like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember when he was still a quarterback in the league, he was asked if he would be interested in changing to the tight end position. He said, nope. He said, no, thank you. He said, you. frick no. Yeah, he said, frick no, and he left, and wow, what a potty mouth. And uh, <laughs> he decided to take up baseball, and he's been in the league for eight years. And Drew, you and I had a discussion with a, a group text, and you think, and I, I agree with you, that he did this simply because of one man, Urban Meyer. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. He, he's the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He last coached Tim Tebow back in 2009. Mm-hmm. And again, this is getting the band back together. But Drew, I, we haven't discussed this yet, uh, but I think this is absolutely stupid. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's stupid. And you know what? It's a slap in the face to all the tight ends out there who are currently in the league. It's, it's a slap to a lot of players out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Not, not even just a tight end position. Oh, yeah. But the fact that you, and there was some success with Tim Tebow in the NFL, and I want to clarify, Dan, to everybody listening. Did win a playoff game in overtime. You and I are a big fan of Tim Tim Tebow as a person, okay? I want to get that away. So we love him as a person, but when he comes to the NFL career, yes, he did win a playoff game against the Steelers with Demarius Thomas. Mm -hmm. Great throw. But, well, a little behind him. But, hey, it's a touchdown. Touchdown's a touchdown. He had a lot of question marks. Playing football. A lot of people said he shouldn't have been drafted well, in the first well, round. In but the, In the NFL. He yes, that's what I'm the, talking about. The greatest collegiate careers ever. Yes. One of the best football players ever to play college football. Absolutely undeniable. But the fact that you have Tim Tebow, who hasn't played football in so long, he played minor league baseball, wasn't really good at that either. 
furthest he ever made it up was AAA. He's coming in, playing a tight end, playing a role he's never played before. As soon as Urban Meyer gets the job, hey, buddy, come to Jacksonville with us. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not a guarantee. He, they're just signing a deal. Yes. He still has to basically try out. He can still get cut. He ain't going to get traded. Speaking of who didn't get traded, Nick Foles. Nobody wanted to trade for him. I wonder why. But, but Tim Tebow, he's not going to make it in the NFL. And if he does, I, I don't think he's going to be very good. I think it's maybe... Maybe they just want an attention piece in Jacksonville. Maybe they're trying to I mean, sell tickets. Hey, look, well, I mean, if Trevor Lawrence wasn't enough, they're double dipping on uh, attention for the past two yeah. weeks. But with, you know, I know it makes a lot of players furious. And I saw um, a reporter raise a good question. What is the atmosphere going to be like in the locker room with mm-hmm. Tim Tebow being there? Yeah. When other players know, even fans feel it, that he is not deserving to be in there in the position of a tight end. We're not talking about quarterback. He could even be an assistant. Mina Kimes on ESPN was like, why don't you just hire him as an assistant yeah. to help if he's truly there to help Urban Meyer? But yet he's going to go and be in a position he's first never played before. He hasn't been in the league for eight years. And Ted Johnson, who is a radio host, he I, I was looking at his Twitter, and he said, Tim Debo is playing tight end in the NFL. It's an insult to all tight ends. But here's the kicker. He needs to be on the active roster for just three games this year to get credited for a full season and become a fully vested player. Tim Tebow has played three years and needs one more year to qualify for lifetime benefits. So if he plays at least three games this year, he qualifies for lifetime benefits as an NFL player. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to not look at this like a gimmick, but to me, it seems like it's a gimmick and maybe he's doing a lot of secret workouts that we don't know. Maybe there's a lot of things that we are not seeing. It's just surface level for us. And maybe he's working out privately with Urban Meyer. I don't know. But when I'm taking it for face value, based off the information we know right now, yes, I think it is Mm -hmm. a huge slap in the face to a lot of current players, even ex-players, maybe players that fought in this league for a long time and Maybe mm-hmm. they got hurt and maybe they got cut because Who weren't of, out for eight years. Yeah. And, and and you can sit here and say, well, maybe they should have played better. Maybe they just got unlucky with their health. I get that. But when you have Tim Tebow, who you eight years ago didn't want to be a tight end, he didn't want to convert, said, I'm sticking to a quarterback, didn't pan out for him, played on three different teams, I think. Or no, I'm sorry, four different teams because I remember he played with the Eagles as well. It's just, it's frustrating. And maybe he does well. I hope he proves me wrong, but I want every player in the NFL to prove me wrong. I want every player to be successful because yeah. it is an incredible feat to play in the NFL. It's incredible mm-hmm. uh, for you to even make a 53-man roster. I mean, it, that's difficult to do. You have to ask, like, is he taking the spot of somebody else that could be there? Well, like you said, he could end up getting a roster spot and proving us all wrong. But uh, at the onset, face value... I don't personally like it. I mean, for eight years, you, you've you been you've been doing other things. He's a great person. Love We loved him personally, but uh, I don't. This is a weird flex, as the kids say these days. Let's get back at it. It's time for more of the Dan and Drew Show. So before you get into hockey, well, this is actually a hockey subject. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even tell Dan that I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it because I'm a little heated by it. Okay. Can we just take a moment and talk about Tom Wilson? You know, just give me your <laughs> honest opinion. Uh, Tom, Tom me, Wilson of the Capitals. Yeah, okay. the Capitals. Give me your honest opinion about him. Is he, yeah, just just vent to me. Let the people know what you feel about Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson has had too many chances in this league. 
And the NHL continues to just turn a blind eye to Tom Wilson. Yeah. He got he only had a fine this past week for for the egregious hit, the body slam that he had at Artemi Panarin. Who put out for the rest of the year. For the rest which, of the season. There, there's not that many games, but still. Yeah, they, they didn't make the body playoffs. slammed him. Well, the thing is their their division was so good that the Rangers had a better record than three playoff teams. Yep. But because they're not in that division, they don't go to the playoffs. But nevertheless, Tom Wilson of the Washington Capitals body slammed Artemi Panarin of the Rangers on the ice. And the league didn't suspend him at all. No. They gave him the maximum fine of, wait for it, $5,000. Ooh, man. Okay. And of course, fans are eared. The only people who like Tom Wilson are capital fans. Yeah. And, and Drew, do you have... You have the the response from the New York Rangers because this is this is what teams should do. They should call out the league and even players, even officials. We don't see this enough in football. Kudos to the Rangers for doing this. This was the right thing. Now, granted, they got punished for it. Yeah, the Big league fined them two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this post. And, and Drew. So this is the statement from the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that the Capitals forward Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender. Yes, he is with a long history of these type of acts. And we find it shocking that the NHL in their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to our teamie Panarin will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of duty by NHL head of player safety, George Peros, and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. Whoa. Put them on blast. That, that was 100%. I am all in for the Rangers yeah. for what they did. Tom Wilson is a repeat offender. He is dirty player. And you even said, Drew, that he should be banned from the league. Yes, and that might be over overkill it might be something that's mm. uh he doesn't learn though he doesn't you you give him a five thousand dollar fine and no suspension but and the, he's been suspended before he doesn't learn he doesn't learn but also the nhl hasn't done anything this is true so is they're both obli- at fault the nhl's at fault tom wilson's at fault first of all tom wilson doesn't care he's just a sucky no, the person. capitals don't care either they don't and and a, and a, and a team called them at the capitals out they called out tom wilson they called out the player safety um, George Paris or whatever. Paris, yeah, and the league and Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, said you d- shouldn't have said that. Rangers, we're going to fine you two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a social media post that was a hundred percent correct. Oh, a lot of fans rallied around the Rangers here, even rival teams, even teams. If you can sit here and undoubtedly say that Tom Wilson should not be reprimanded because of this not be suspended long term you you body slammed a player on the ice who didn't have a helmet on yeah the fact that there was like how many there was a lot of penalties in the first five minutes of the game it was absolutely yeah the the following game as soon as the puck dropped gloves dropped yeah and what i if i'm one of his teammates i'm furious too because now you're putting me in a position where i have to fight your battles too because ranger players Mm. are understandably mad if i'm a rangers player I've said on this podcast before, I do not condone fighting, but it would be really hard for well, me not to go after Tom Wilson's head. And and speaking of Tom Wilson, he he reached out to Artemi and apologized, and he said that he didn't feel that what he did was egregious. Okay. 
So you, you, you're you, going to take you pretty much body slam. You're going to take the hair of an opponent and grab it in your fist. You're going to body slam him on the ice without a helmet on. And you're going to say what you did was normal for a hockey game. Now, it's normal for Tom Wilson. It's not normal for any hockey mm-hmm. player. Tom Wilson is dirty. His actions don't need to be in the NHL. I'm all for roughing. I'm all for having players who they, they used to call enforcers. Tom Wilson is not an enforcer. He is someone mm-hmm. that needs to be, his play needs to be banned from the NHL. He's a good hockey player. He's not great. He's good. And, uh, you know, people around the league and media were saying, well, if Tom Wilson was on your team, you'd want him. No, I wouldn't have. I, mm-hmm. I do not want him on my team. Because yeah. all players or other fans want to talk about is how dirty Tom Wilson is and how the Capitals aren't doing anything about it. So I don't want him on my team. I want my team to be someone that wins by their the sport itself is, as far as their talent on the ice rather than picking up their gloves or throwing players down to the ice. And the thing is, a couple of years ago, remember Sidney Crosby did the same thing too? Yeah. And a lot of people are quiet then. So, uh, you know, the NHL... Who are they protecting? That's what I want to know. And stars, they're they're protecting star players. Like it's frustrating, Baby Crosby. For for you and I who love the game so much, it's frustrating. The NHL isn't doing their job to punish players for dumb decisions and actions. But Drew, in addition to that, the NHL playoffs they're set. We we still have games going on in the league, which makes no sense. Which yeah, I mean, well, for some of the teams, it's for seeding purposes. But look at look at the North Division, the All Canadian Division. The reason why they're still playing multiple games is because the Vancouver Canucks had almost a month where they didn't have either a majority of their roster or they didn't have their roster at all because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not to, even in it. They're having to play catch up, but the teams have been decided, and uh, so they're they're still playing through their games. But Drew and I thought that it would be great for us to talk about these teams briefly because we won't be here next week. Yeah. When the first round will essentially be wrapping up by the time we have our next show, the first round would have wrapped up. So we're going to give our projections on what we feel uh, will happen with the first round of the NHL playoffs. And this is why I first off, let's be honest here, Drew. NHL has the best playoffs in all sports. Yeah, I, I don't care what anyone says. It's nearly two months long. OK, between the first round and the Stanley Cup, if you were to have all seven games in each series, it'd be about two months. Yeah. And you got multiple teams and, you know, it's not like football where it's a one and done, you know, baseball is longer, but you know, hockey is so competitive. It's action from the first puck drop until the, the horn blows at the end of the game. It is a great, um, you know, playoffs in hockey is great. So Drew, let's kick it off. Wh- which division do you want to kick? Well, let's start with the North. So the, okay. like Dan, Dan talked about the playoffs start this Saturday, May 15th mm-hmm. and Again, it's it's absolutely bonkers that the regular season is still going to be in swing when playoffs start. That makes yes. no sense. And you said it's because yeah. of seeding. Yes, yeah. that's true. Mm-hmm. Now, the North Division, the Jets and the Canadian seeding isn't set. The Leafs and the Oilers are set, though. They are at one mm-hmm. and two. They, those cannot fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And so based off of that, first, we're in a predicament because we face we face the fact that we're not recording next week. So we have to basically kind of predict in a way Mm-hmm. The playoff matchups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But honestly, in the North, it doesn't matter who the three and the four seed are. I don't care if the Jets are the three or the four or the Canadians because I'm picking the Leafs to win their matchup and I'm picking the Oilers to win theirs. Uh, yes. The, those two teams are are better than the, the Jets and the Canadians. And the Canadians barely snuck in. Goodness gracious. I mean, it's unfortunate what happened with Vancouver, but I, I'm... 
who know maybe Vancouver if they didn't have to have that month off of hockey they might actually be in the playoffs right now instead of the Canadians well uh, yeah yes possibly in the fourth seed um I agree with you the Leafs and the Oilers they're going to win their their matchups we don't know the third and fourth seed but it doesn't matter you know the Oilers they have the best player in hockey Connor McDavid what you know I know nah, he's not I know hot take right so normally the hockey season's 82 games. This year, because of COVID, it's 56. And he still managed to get 100 points in 56 yes. games. He's crazy. Connor McDavid is just, he's mind-boggling. And then having Leon Dreisaitl as well on that, that roster. <laughs> the Oilers, they're a great team. First off, I love Orange. Uh, but the Leafs, I've got them. It doesn't matter who their matchup is. And same with the Oilers. In the North Division, the all-Canadian division. And, and maybe this year, maybe, finally, a Canadian team can make it to the Stanley Cup. I don't know. The uh, way the Leafs and the Oilers are playing, especially Toronto, uh, it might be their year. They're playing some good hockey, but then we got some other really good teams that well, that are going to give them a very big fight. Well, the thing is, we don't know what this what conference they're going to be in at yeah. this point because COVID, they switched the divisions, but they didn't mark out which conference each team is going to be in. So mm-hmm. that'll depend on the matchup uh, weeks and weeks down the road. So, We've got plenty of time to discuss that. But, you know, Drew and I, we're going to take Toronto and Edmonton. That's going to be a nice second-round matchup. It will be. The Leafs and the Orioles. Woo-wee. Oilers. 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 We're not not on baseball. We're We're not doing this again. (laughs) Lord have mercy. So, just like the North Division, the West is also another division that's not set. The Blues right now are the only team that's set. They are a locked-in four seed. Yeah, because they snuck into the. They, that they four snuck seed. in, but the Knights they can be a one or two seed. The Abs can be a one, two, or three, and the Wild can be a two or three. So based off of that, I have to ask: Okay, what what am I expected that this division is going to be seated as? I, well, I'm going to save some time, Drew. At least for my my pick, I see them just like the North. The mm-hmm. the, the Avalanche and the Knights are going to the second round. Well, it also depends because they're not set. Remember, the Avs can get mm-hmm. the three seed. That's yes, they or could. they could also get the the. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but the Knights could get a two seed. The Avs could get a three seed. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm just saying. But I just yes, I don't I, I don't see the the Minnesota Wild whether they're the second or third seed. I don't see them beating the they're Colorado not. Avalanche. And the Nats and the Avs. The Nats and the Avs. The Knights and the Avs are they're advancing. They're they're a much better team. The Wild and the Blues. Which is unfortunate because the Wild have had a really good season. Yeah, I they think, are not far behind the Abs at yeah, all. And I think, to be honest, they had the most surprising season of any team in the league this mm-hmm. year for me. Yeah, most definitely. Because for a long time, you know, the Wild were teetering on making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, and they they fired their head coach and and now it's just uh, they have one of maybe the rookie of the Calder Trophy rookie of the year will probably be on the Wild. So they have had the most surprising season, but good for them because the Knights and Avalanche they are the top two teams in, in the league in, in terms of um, not only points, but also in talent. Um, you know, the, the Avalanche are so quick. The Knights, they've got Marc-Andre Fleury. A I mean, incredible season. Yeah, incredible season. Just, so I think he's MVP. Yeah, I mean, I think Dean uh, Avison of the Wild could possibly win uh, the Jack Norris Trophy, which is head coach of the year, and they just had an incredible season. It's just unfortunate that you're going to have to play either the Abs or the Knights because those teams right now are playing some great hockey but well, let's move on to what, what the East. Let's talk about the East. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, East, right I now. think we should wrap up with the best division. I mean, you and I both. Oh yeah, I mean the Central so. Division. Yeah, is is probably the best division. It. I think the the Stanley Cup winner is going to come out of there. But talking about the East, which is set, which is set, just like the Central. 
East is set. They're playing. It's the Penguins versus the Islanders. Now, with this, I'm really intrigued because the Islanders are 1-7 against the Pins this season. Mm -hmm. I do not like those odds. No. They are not good. Well, I said weeks and weeks and weeks ago when we talked about the midseason for the NHL season, I said the Penguins have a lot of injuries. Yeah. And when they come back, they have the talent. And here, they've locked up the number one seed, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, this is a this is a team. They are just equivalent in terms of longevity, the same as the New England Patriots in football. They don't go away. They don't. For the past 20 years, the Penguins have been relevant at some point. Especially with their goaltending being absolute doo-doo the past two seasons, if not three seasons, yeah, ever when, since when they decided to not let Marc-Andre Fleury remain in Pittsburgh. Hey, oh, let's let you go to Vegas. And mm -hmm. uh, ever since then, their goaltending has never that, been the same. I can guarantee their general manager, he will regret that for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. that he didn't protect one of the best goalies in all of hockey history. Yeah, yeah in history for sure. In all but two games against the Islanders, Pittsburgh has scored three or more goals. Okay. So they they shown that they can score against a very tough. Yeah, that defense. Very yeah. tough Barry Trotz defense. Mm -hmm. So, but I have to go with Pittsburgh in five. I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but how Pittsburgh is playing, the fact that they've had the Islanders number all season, I really like the veteran leadership of what Pittsburgh offers and the fact that they are clicking, their, their players are getting healthier it looks like that Pittsburgh could make a run. You know, I, I'm also going to choose Pittsburgh, but I'm going to say N6. I think they're going to win 4-2 to two in that series. I love the Islanders. Um, they have some great young talent like Mark, uh, like Matt Barzell. Again, Trotsy as their head coach. It's a great team. Uh, but I've got the Pittsburgh Penguins in 6. Um, but the next matchup, we've got the Capitals and Bruins. That actually starts this Saturday. Like Drew mentioned, we still have regular season going on mm -hmm. while playoffs are happening. First game in the playoffs. Uh, the, the, the Washington Capitals and Boston Bruins, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better matchup in this division. I mean, these are two strong teams. Even though they're the second and third seed, I think either of these could easily win yeah. uh, this matchup. It, it's tough for me. Um, I was seesawing back. I was seesawing in which pick I would choose, but I'm going to choose the Boston Bruins but I'm going to say it's going to take seven games to do so. Yeah, so I this series is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to go the distance. Now, it's going to go seven games, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see multiple games going to overtime. Both of these teams right now are, first of all, they don't like each other, and I think that makes every single matchup spicy when, when two teams absolutely despise one another. But the scoring it goes in favor of Washington. You know they they've scored more per game, almost mm -hmm. a almost a full goal per game than Boston. But defensively, they have the slight edge. And I'm gonna have to go with the team that has the X factor in this matchup, and that's Tuka Rask, Bruins goalie. If he can play just just eighty percent of what he's capable of playing, I think that's enough to give him the edge. And I think the Bruins are gonna win in seven games as well. Here's the here's what I was. As you were talking, Drew, you know which team is happy that they are not playing the Bruins in the playoffs right now? Um, I'm, 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 Just Pittsburgh? I mean, no, Toronto. Oh, yeah. Toronto. They, they, they can never get past Boston. They Poor poor Maple Leafs fans. You know, Boston Bruins, they're your kryptonite. They're, they're your Achilles heel, whatever you want to call it. So I know Toronto is happy that they don't have to face yeah. The Bruins and and they year. actually, they wouldn't even face them. Well, we don't know what the NHL is going to do with 
they won't at least face him until the, the conference final. Exactly. So That'd that, that might <laughs> watch them get to the conference final, Boston and Toronto, and then they <laughs> still can't beat them. That would be just a heartbreaker in itself. The, the, the thing is, these these games with Toronto and Boston, they always go to seven, and yeah. Toronto always loses. Mm-hmm. But uh, Toronto looks much different than they have. They have, and Austin especially Matthews in the past is, ten years, he's on a rip this year. Yeah, if it wasn't for Connor McDavid, you could put him in the argument of getting the Hart Trophy. But Connor mm-hmm. McDavid has Once solidified again. that he's not losing that award. Let's talk about the final division, the Central Division, who you and I think mm-hmm. is top to bottom the, best. the the strongest four teams collectively. Mm-hmm. And people may say, well, the Predators they they barely snuck in. They clinched the second last game of the season. Yeah, that that's true. So with the Hurricanes and the Predators, right now the Hurricanes, they have too much firepower. They, they're they not going to get the President's Trophy just because Vegas or the, the Avs can clinch that. The Preds, they, they have, they've had a tremendous run since March. Mm-hmm. I think in March it was like less than a percent that they were going to even make playoffs in the run that they were able to, to have. Maybe that's enough to, to motivate them. I mean, they did sweep the, the Canes the last two games. Um, but the, the Hurricanes, they had half their team or half their starters – either limited or they weren't yeah. even playing. It was a situation where they had some players making their NHL debut. Yeah. That's, so that's how many, <laughs> that's how many players they were resting. Yeah. The, the predators, they beat them twice the entire season. I mean, I granted there's only eight yeah, games they, per they matchup. They lost but, the first six yeah. and they won the two mm-hmm. that, well, the last one didn't matter at all. They had to win the second to last one. Yeah. So I, because of that and because the hurricanes are just one of, if not the best team in the NHL, I have to go with the Canes in six. You know, this is this is not surprising to Drew and I. We've seen this build up for the past couple of years. This is why sports with farm systems. If you want to look at a farm system and players progressing um, from a team that was so-so to now becoming a cup contender, look at what the Hurricanes have done. Yeah. Their farm system has worked so well for them. We've seen them getting better and better every single year. They haven't regressed in the past five years, and especially hiring Rod Brindamore. Great hire. He, he was a fantastic hire for head coach. He's a former player, uh, numbers retired, Stanley mm-hmm. Cup champion of the um, 2006 team. The Carolina Hurricanes, this is theirs for – they got to take this. Yeah. Nashville, the only thing that works in your favor – is if you have the same spirit you had in 2017 mm-hmm. when you swept in the first round the best team in hockey. Chicago Blackhawks. Yep, and they ended up going to the Stanley Cup. Granted, they lost against the Pittsburgh Penguins, but... A little controversial they, calls, but they, they still yeah. lost. And But they were, they barely squeaked into the playoffs. They were mm-hmm. the worst team of all the playoff teams. Yeah, they were the 16th seed going into the playoffs. And the thing is, UC Saros right now, let me tell you what, if if anybody deserves a honorable heart trophy, it's definitely him because well, without him, he would not be where he, the Predators the wouldn't even be yeah. close to being in this game. But I'm really happy to see Pecorino win his uh, the last game of the season for them, got a 60th career shutout. Yeah. We don't know if he's going to retire. Maybe he likes he's his 30, limited role. Is he 37 or 38? He's I'm not sure. But he's been with the team for a very long time. But again, I'm picking the Canes in six. Dan, what are you doing? You, you said you're picking the Canes. Yeah, I'm also going to pick the Canes. Uh, I think Nashville, they'll win one at least, maybe two. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go um, four, two, you know, and, and six for Carolina. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I really enjoy watching both these teams. Uh, yeah. And, and this is it, the first time because of COVID, this is the first time in history these two have played each other in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so it's great because I wish it were in the same division. The fact that you have Nashville and Raleigh that, I mean, they're not even far apart. I granted they are an hour behind 
or Nashville is from Raleigh. I wish these two teams yeah. were in the same and, conference because this conference and is two or true, same division. They're two true Southern teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, now next on the list, we've got the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning, but let's be honest. They're in the South, but those aren't Southern teams. They're not. I mean, the Hurricanes and the Predators, those are Southern teams, and, and to see that rival would be awesome. But next year, the divisions will go back to the way it's normally done. Mm-hmm. The Seattle Kraken are coming into the league, release the Kraken, and now the, the Predators will be going back to the West. But the second matchup, and the last matchup for this is we've got the Florida Panthers at number two. This this is also another division that is locked with the seeding. The Florida Panthers, number two. Tampa Bay Lightning, number three. They are the reigning Stanley Cup champions. And to be honest, Drew, I'm surprised they're all the way at three mm-hmm. for their seeding, especially this season they had last year. Well, now, I think it's because the, the Lightning have faltered lately. And they're well, not playing near as yeah, they're not thing. playing near as good as hockey, and Florida is playing great hockey. They're also another surprising team. I like the Wild, the Panthers. No, the Panthers have been great; they've been getting better and better each year. But hiring uh, Joel Quinneville again, we talked about him a couple weeks ago. That was a great hire for them, uh, and and it shows. Now the Panthers are number two. I know what a shock of hiring a Stanley Cup coach to. Uh, you know, be successful. Well, on your I'm team. not saying so. it's a shock. I'm just saying th- th- we've seen the Florida Panthers, but be- before Quinneville came in there, but, but I'm saying is like, yeah, it's a great hire, but I also expected to be a great hire because he's won multiple Stanley cups. Yeah. But that doesn't, that doesn't always work out because no, it doesn't. look at, look at, um, Peter Laviolette. Yeah. Peter Laviolette. One, you know, one with Carolina didn't, didn't win anything in Philadelphia. Didn't win anything in Nashville. And now he's back in Washington and, and he's not back to, He's consistent, but yeah. he's only won one cup as a head coach. Mm-hmm. So, but the Panthers and the Lightning, because the Panthers have won the you know their final six games of the season, the Lightning are dealing with some injuries. I'm going with the Panthers in seven games, and I think it's going to be I think it's going to go the distance, much like the Boston and the Washington series. Both these teams are really good. Their goaltending is phenomenal. Uh, they're two physical teams, and. I like that we get to see two Florida teams go at at, you know, they go, they get to go at it and say, okay, we're the best Florida team. And I think right now the edge has to go to Florida, the, the Florida Panthers. It's tempting to choose the Panthers to win, but the lightning have captain Steven Stamkos and right winger Nikita Kucherov coming back from injury. They're starting to practice now. They are some of the best players in all of hockey we have to remind ourselves they are the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Mm-hmm. So I have Tampa Bay. I think this is our first split for the entire um, the entirety of this of our selections. I'm going to take the Lightning. I'm going to take them in six against the Panthers. I really enjoy both of these teams. I won't be mad if if the Lightning obviously advance. This this is a matchup that I would have loved to seen like maybe the conference finals or something to see two Florida teams go at it. The fact that we're getting in the first round kind of stinks, but. I think this is going to be a very intriguing uh, series in general. But that's what happens when it's the best division in hockey. Yeah. I mean, the Preds, yes, they just snuck in. They, they you know, push out against the Dallas Stars. The fact that the Preds in this division are the, the worst team is very surprising because the Preds lately have turned on another switch. How would they be in this position if, you know, the conference or the divisions were mixed up? Uh, maybe, maybe not, but they are clicking on all cylinders right now, and they are playing the best hockey heading into the playoffs. So any of these four teams can come out of this this division, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a spicy matchup between these these four teams. But so let's let's just recap before the, we end the episode, Dan. So the Bruins and Caps. I have the Bruins in seven. 
Uh, yeah, I have the um, the Bruins winning in seven against the Caps. So the Pens and the Isles, I have the Pens in five games. You have the Pens in six. six. Yes. Panthers and the Bolts, I have the Panthers in seven. You have the Bolts in six. Mm-hmm. And then the Canes and Preds, I think the Canes right now, they're just they're just clicking. So I have them over the Preds in six games. So do I. Now, the Leafs versus the Jets or the Leafs versus the Canadians, it doesn't matter which team they, they match up to. I think the Leafs are going to win in five games. I think there's just going to be one game that's going to be away that might bite them in the butt. But the Leafs right now are playing some really good hockey. They're by far the best team in the North Division. Even though the Oilers are second, I don't think they're even close to the Leafs right now as far as playing complete hockey. Mm-hmm. So I have them in, in five games no matter who they play. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the uh, Leafs in six. Six games, okay. And then the Oilers, I have them, again, whoever they play, the Jets or the Canadians, I have them in six games. Uh, I think uh, it, really the matchup doesn't matter because Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are the dynamic duo that you want on your roster. Now the Knights, there, there's too many situations I'm not going to even go through, but I think if, I'll just say this, if the Knights and the Abs play each other in the first round, the chances are very slim. But if they do, Ooh. that game's going seven games. Yeah. But if it's anybody else, the Knights are going to win in six games, and the Avs, whoever they play, it's going to win in six games as well. So I think those two teams are going to advance. I think if the Knights play the Blues, I give the Blues one win. So I will give the Knights five in five, and I'm because I'm going to keep the seeding the way it is right now. The Knights and the Blues, I got uh, the Knights in five, and I have the Avalanche in six. And if that sounds confusing. Uh, we're going to create a graphic so you can see our playoff predictions. Once the seeds are set in stone, yes, we're, when they're we'll, set in stone, we'll post a graphic so you guys can see it. Um, but we are excited for NHL playoffs. We love the NHL playoffs. It's another dynamic and to see all the Canadian teams or not all of them, but the top four go at it. If Canada teams are having a hard time making it to the Stanley cup playoffs, you, the, the NHL just made it even harder because only one team can come out of that division. It's not like where you have the, you know, the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference where you could have a possibility of two Canada teams. You can't have that this year. So their their chances even go lower. Yeah, and remember, playoffs start this weekend. Next weekend we have the PGA Championship in South Carolina. We are not recording next week. Drew and his wife are going to take a much needed vacation wrapping up school and work and all that's going on. And, you know, his wife being a nurse during COVID and all that. So they definitely need it. So uh, Drew and your wife, I hope that you guys have a great vacation. Uh, and oh, we're going to enjoy it. We're going to the beach. Yeah. So. And, and you guys know that Drew does a lot with his podcast behind the scenes. So he does a lot, the producing and stuff. So he does uh, much. So kudos to him. And I, you know, enjoy your vacation, but we will catch you guys in two weeks. We'll recap the first round of the playoffs in hockey. We'll, Recap the winner of the PGA. It's going to be Daniel Berger or John Rahm, uh, but we'll do that in two weeks. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, next week we're going to be off. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend. We'll see you in two Thursdays. Much love. Thanks for listening to The Dan and Drew Show. Catch all our episodes anywhere you find your podcasts. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Dan and Drew Show. We'll catch you next week for your weekly hit on all things sports. Signing off.